0: Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton FC podcast. Me, Greg O'Keefe and Paddy Boyland from, I'd say, across the city, but kind of not quite across the city. We couldn't wave, but um, you're down there by the waterfront, aren't you, Pad?
1: I am, and obviously you are as well, but you're a lot closer to the prospective new homer, probably more than I am. Um quite envious <laughs> actually of how close you are to it at this moment in time. I'm I'm slightly further down. I'm towards the south of the city. Um I'm kind of just making making use where, wherever possible for my one exercise a day of just being down by by the river having a run. Um, just about everybody else seems to have had the same idea. So you've got to pick a decent time to do it. But uh yeah well, it's nice. It's nice. It's, it's it's pretty good. Even if I am like I say slightly envious of the views you'll have. Of the new stadium of Bramley Moor Dock, if you well, stay where yeah. you are off any length. Maybe of time. maybe one day
0: at the moment, I must admit when I go for my run down by the <laughs> Bramley Moor. I think anyone who's seen where Everton Stadium is going to be, um, would realise that there's not an awful lot there at the moment. It's a bit barren. That's probably, you know, well it is a huge factor why the council and uh, and the government hopefully are going to be so supportive of the 10th Street scheme and what Peel Peel want to do in north of the city because um yeah, there's not much going on there. Sort of series of very historic and Grandiose but abandoned docks, and then obviously um, the site where Everton Stadium is hopefully going to be. But for the time being, not the most scenic of runs. Where <laughs> maybe it'll be different. No, it's not. Yeah, it? <laughs> but anyway, it's not the um, the Olympiad training of me and Paddy that, that we're talking about. It <laughs> it is Everton's <laughs> best goals, our favourite Everton goals, and your favourite Everton goals. We've written a series on the website um, recently, chronicling three of them. Paddy and I put our heads together and picked for three, and um, we know that Paddy's put shouts out on Twitter. So have I, to get your feedback as well, um, it's just been a pleasure really because you know obviously whenever you think of a great goal, especially a great Everton goal, it gives you a little kind of uh, little buzz, and the more vivid the memory, the better the buzz really. Um, Paddy even managed to put a video clip of one particular goal, which we'll come to later, on his tweet earlier, which I could just watch all day. But start with. The latest one, Paddy, you put uh, today's piece on the site. I really do recommend it. It's fantastic. Read about, remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Paddy, tell us more about that piece.
1: <laughs> it's it's funny, isn't it? Because um, I think this piece of commentary, and for this goal in particular, it's absolutely iconic. You only need to say, remember the name, and every single Everton <laughs> fan of a certain vintage will be able to tell you exactly the goal we're talking about obviously Wayne Rooney 2002 against Arsenal and I just think you look back at the circumstances here and first of all you've got Arsenal as I as I opened the piece with you've got Arsenal unbeaten in 30 games possessing an absolutely fantastic side you, you go through it and there's, you've got Seaman in goal Campbell at centre-back Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp up front players like Freddie Lundberg in and Robert Perez either side of Patrick Vieira in central midfield, and Everton at the time, to, if, if we're being kind, they're kind of they're only just getting mm-hmm. by, they're kind of scraping the barrel in some cases, and in in certain positions they're not particularly well stocked. So for, for for Arsenal that juggernaut to come to Everton, and for Everton not to not to be in the best set of circumstances, but for Wayne Rooney to do what he did as a 16 year old, a local lad. To that Arsenal side, I think it was. I mean, it was obviously nothing short of spectacular. It was, a, it was a day that I think I will always remember for the rest of my life because of the goal, because of the celebrations, because of everything it meant to have somebody like like Wayne Rooney come through from Croxford and score that goal for Everton Football Club uh, in. It must be said in in a high profile game against the um, against the champions. Um, it meant the world. Uh, so it was great to kind of recap that we got loads of different voices in there from Wayne Rooney himself to Ray Hall, Everton's academy director, who was was sat in the yeah. stands watching that as he as he lined up the ball, Rooney and and struck a goal. He was he wasn't surprised one jot by what happened. He'd seen Wayne doing that time and time again for Everton's youth sides, and um, there's a brilliant quote from David Moyes in it actually, where he talks about how he he'd rarely heard Goodison like that after after a game, and he puts it down to the fact that not only was this a win over the champions, but it was a win that was perpetrated by a local lad and a fantastic goal mm-hmm. by a local lad. And he said it kind of gave him shivers as well. So I think that's the best way to describe it, really. I think it gives us all shivers. Um, obviously, one of several really good Wayne Rooney goals. And I always feel the need, I don't know about you, but I always need feel the need to specify with Rooney and goals. So I, I had to put Wayne Rooney, Arsenal home, 2002, on the uh, on the tweet. Just because there's another goal against Arsenal that sticks in the memory. There's a goal against Leeds um, at Ellen Road to end a long drought there without a win. And there are various other goals from Rooney's two spells which um, which could fall into this category. So this is my favourite of the Rooney strikes. Uh, it made our top three um we've asked people as well, obviously, haven't we, to, to have their say. But um this this is doing very, very well in the voting as well. So um I'm not I'm not surprised, no, to be frank.
0: Nor am I. Um two things that you just reminded me then when when you were summarising that amazing moment. It's just later in that game he almost scores an even better goal. And that would have been like one of the most incredible things to ever happen again, to score two goals of those sorts of quality. I think um he was unplayable that day in many ways. With the first goal, Siemens just a top, top class keeper in, a, in a as you say, in a, an elite team and he just can't get close to it. He, he's like got that classic despairing keeper sort of lunge, as not he, where he just knows, despite his, his massive frame, he's not going to get his fingertips to the ball. It's so well placed. And then the stories of later on that evening and you know after the game, Rooney really just going back to, to my dad's in Crocky and, and just kind of, putting his France yeah. kit on, I think it was, and just having a kick about outside. And mm. it's almost like a man child and a little bit more of the, the latter than the former, really. But had such a mercurial talent mm. that even you people talk about Wayne coming up through the academy, at every level he was comfortable like head and shoulders above everyone else. And not just a little bit above, like miles above. And even when he went into first team training, seasoned pros talk about him just running a mock. Absolutely running a mock. And that was the culmination, I think, of that process was that announcing himself in the Premier League and then obviously what he went on to achieve. But before, this isn't the Wayne Rooney special, obviously, but before we kind of move on, it was interesting you were saying about his goals the second time as well. And because of the context of his second spell at Everton, you know, it's not going to be looked at, obviously, as kind of with as much excitement as his first, it, it's bursting onto the scene. But the goal against West Ham, for example, was such an incredible long distance strike of such technique, like the like peerless technique, that if that if he'd only ever scored that goal, people would still talk about it, wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, and I think the, the thing that gets lost with the West Ham goal is just how difficult it is to execute. I mean you, you look at some goals that, that footballers score and I'll be honest, you've seen me play football. I'm by no means suggesting I could do these <laughs> things in a Premier League game. But you, you can strike the ball well from time to time in a Sunday league scenario or with you when you're playing yeah. with your mates you can just occasionally fire one in from range. I believe right, it can't? can happen. Yeah. Whereas it, it can it can happen occasionally. <laughs> not maybe not not by me so much, but it, it it's it's something you see. It's something you see in day to day football. Maybe not against Arsenal. Maybe not against David Seaman. But it does happen. What I'm trying to say with the Rooney goal against West Ham in his second spell is. If you asked most Premier League footballers, you rolled the ball to them, a moving ball on the halfway line, and said you strike that first time with your laces into the net, 50 yards, 60 yards, straight in front of you the other way, you wouldn't get close to doing it once, I don't think. Um, and that, that, that goes for me and you, but it probably also goes for a lot of Premier League players. The technique was out of the, this world, and I think that's the thing with Wayne Rooney at his best and he wasn't at his best at Everton in that second spell. He'd fallen off his perch a little bit um if if we're being kind. At his best he married that wonderful kind of technique that he had to strike a ball in different ways, but he came through with kind of raw pace as well. He was he was physically adept even at the age of 16. He was he was one of the kind of he was one of the most physical players Everton had on their books. He had just about an all-round skill set for a while that made him obviously um, a, a top-class goalscorer for for Manchester United and for England. Yeah, he, but Manchester United obviously got his best yeah. years. The West Ham goal slightly different. He'd had to kind of, in effect, modify his game a bit. In the second spell, obviously, he dropped into midfield and that's why he picks the ball up against West Ham in the centre circle, effectively. Um, and has, has a go at goal, um, it doesn't take anything away from it, but it's, it, I mean, it, 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 like I say, it's, it's fantastic technique. It's top, top level, a reminder of what he was capable of at his very best. And just to go back to the, um, the goal against Arsenal in 2002 in his first spell, I think one of the things that we forget about that goal is the touch to kill the ball out of the air, and then the swivel, which sets him up to kind of run on run on goal, then there's a shot at the end of it, so it's not just the goal. It's and not just the the, the strike yeah. on goal. It's the the ability to trap the ball, it's the ability to turn, pivot, and run at the at the Arsenal defence. He, he he amalgamated all those skills for me at his very best. It's it's a shame we didn't get to see him do that more often for Everton. But we still have these fine memories to talk about, which I actually think an underrated goal from his his second spell, by the way, is the goal against Stoke. Uh, on the yeah. first day of the season where he I think he heads in Dominic he Calvert-Lewin's right, cross yeah. and it was such that I think that was such an emotional mm. moment for him and for people in the ground because he'd come home prodigal son and on his first Premier League game back at Goodison he manages to do that a wonderful header at the back post reminiscent almost of a, of a Tim Cahill or a, a Duncan Ferguson a player like that um and I remember him kind of sinking to his knees in front of the park end so uh, it meant a lot to him it, i think it meant a lot to us so as did did most of his goals um because <laughs> we could sit here and talk all day about Wayne Rooney couldn't we, yeah. um there were there were other notable yeah. goals here on on our list and and, um, and on the lists of, of of people we've spoken to over the last few
0: days yeah I mean yeah absolutely i remember that vividly that as omens of a season you know we beat Stoke in, in the sunshine rooney was scoring a winner and it, it could have been set up the script could have been in a really special season under, under Marco Silva obviously with um, Marco Silva I just had a brain freeze then sorry under Ronald Koeman
1: it was it was Ronald yeah. Koeman but the remarkable thing was we ended up with Dominic Calvert-Lewin a right wing back
0: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> absolutely crazy
0: nonetheless I mean we were just again before we finish on Rooney we were doing a quiz last night weren't we and the amount of records that he's broken, obviously the on an international level, England goal scoring records, insane. But even in the Manchester Derby, record amounts of goals and just incredible. We'll move to another goal, and this is the one that really kind of excites me. And I kind of genuinely want to talk to you about this anyway, <laughs> because since you put this video up, I've watched it about 12 times through. It's one minute ten, and I honestly recommend if you if you go on Paddy's Twitter and watch this, it it is of course James McFadden's goal against Charlton. Just give them. Just outline the goal for us, and then we'll get stuck into it a bit more. McFadden! Oh yes! What a strike from James McFadden!
1: The first thing to say is I think we've done James McFadden a big disservice to leave him off our three best goals. I mean, looking at, I'm kind of watching it back like like you have been. The te- the technique is unbelievable. So he, I mean. Gary Naismith, who is still playing for Everton in the 06-07 the season, gets to the byline and clips kind of a, a fairly generic cross into the middle. It's headed clear uh, by Majid Bouguera, who people remember from, from Algeria and Rangers and Charlton. And Bugera then chases after it immediately as, as it falls to McFadden on the edge of the box. He's at the park end. It's 1-1 um, in the dying embers of the game. I think it's injury time. And seeing Bugera, kind of hurtling towards him, McFadden, unlike any mere mortal, McFadden for this moment decides to lob it over, or chip it over, Bugera, and hit the ball before it bounces on the volley on his left foot into the into the bottom corner. I think on its own, the volley would be a noteworthy goal. But the fact that it comes after a flick over Buguera's head Right at the end of a game in which Everton had been pegged back very late on, um, I think I, th- I think it, I think we have <laughs> done McFadden a bit of a disservice here. I don't know if you agree, but I think we have done McFadden a little bit of a disservice to leave him out of the top three. The problem is, I could say the same about four or five other Everton goals. There, there are so many we could talk about here, so it's just where you fit them in and and kind of which ones you discuss. How high up your list do, does this goal feature?
0: Like you say. it's... It was really hard to leave it off because it's not just the strike, which is just you know the the, the artistry and the confidence in which he, the way he takes the ball is just unreal. But is it him who switches the play when he gets the ball from Phil Neville? Yeah, he
1: does. He does. I'm, I'm just am just watching it now. He he switches the play. Phil Neville goes down the left. Neville puts it inside to McFadden. Lovely ball round the corner to the onrushing Gary Naismith right. and it's Naismith's cross. So I mean we we've not even included McFadden starting the move obviously to start it and end it in that fashion. I mean yeah, like you say, it's it's something else.
0: Unreal. And of course you know one of the other ones that that we included was was Graham Sharp versus Liverpool. And this is one that you know for for listeners who obviously you know, maybe were not kind of um, well not not born in 1984 or, or weren't watching Everton or sort of uh, out of nappies. Or me. Um, <laughs> a little bit of context. You know Graeme Sharp obviously Howard Kendall's. Um, Sort of Halcyon era, really, when Everton were winning titles and competing in for, for European cups. So wins a Merseyside derby with a volley that was just well. If you picture sort of Jackie Alca's strike at Anfield uh, a couple of seasons ago, think of that. But I, I wouldn't say better because they're both fantastic strikes. But this was a really, really special strike as well um, against like a, a sublime Liverpool team and just. Unreal. Obviously, Rs in goal as well. It's at Anfield, a game, which gives it an extra kind of, sort of, push. And then again, when you speak about iconic commentary, as you say in your piece, the Evertonians have gone berserk, and they really did, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they, they did, and there are always famous images. If, if anybody's not seen Howard's Way, the the great film about Howard mm-hmm. Kendall that was out earlier this year, I, I recommend watching that for the footage of this on its own. You've got kind of fans running onto the pitch to celebrate with the players. A guy that's that end, ends up being nicknamed the windmill Man because he runs on with his arms aloft in the air, going, going mental. Um, it, it's fantastic, yeah. The celebrations are noteworthy in, in themselves. Um, you've got a fantastic, sharp goal. And I love the story of how this goal came about because earlier that week, Howard Kendall had identified that Liverpool were one of the few sides to use a certain kind of football. And at the time, there was no Nike Premier League ball that was used by all 20 teams. Sides, I believe, were allowed to use whichever football they could get a hold of. And Liverpool, unlike most sides, used the Adidas Tango, um, which I'm sure loads of our listeners will remember. Fantastic retro ball. And um, Howard Kendall, for that week, he prepared with those balls. They were markedly different. He says to um, he used to say to the um, to the other balls that were being used they were lighter they'd move through the air more and that week Kendall had Sharp and the other Everton strikers and midfielders hitting the ball on the dip on the volley um, and that's kind of the background that I think most people won't know about to um the goal as it was scored so i mean in in that piece in, in particular sharp takes me through that tale and how they'd worked on it in training and how sharp had realized when the ball fell to him 40 yards from from Grableau's goal he was not going to beat mark lawrence a really quick flea-footed liverpool defender in a race he was going to need to do something special, so he cushions the ball and then absolutely wallops it for, for want of a better phrase, into the uh, into Liverpool net, into the Anfield Road end, in front of the the watching Everton fans who who proceed to go mental. So, I mean, we've to, to be fair, looking back at, at at some of these games and some of these goals, when we talk about great Everton goals, some of these. Derby strikes feature quite prominently, and there's a long list of them. In fairness, as well, you've got Sharp against Liverpool, you've got Jagielka at Anfield against Liverpool. Um, quite a few fans, uh, Brian Viner on um, on Twitter, reminded me of Andy King's goal in 1978 at Goodison against Liverpool. Um, a fantastic half volley. Then could kind of go on and on with some of these um, some of these Derby goals. And I think what happens here is, I mean, we're talking about best goals or favourite goals, however you want to word it. And, I don't know about you, but it, it always feels a bit subjective. It's 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 one person's opinion. It's time and place stuff. I was here when this goal was scored and it meant more to me as a result. And sometimes we have these kind of quirks and foibles where we, we all like different goals. But I think a Derby goal always elevates um, the strike beyond kind of other memorable, otherwise memorable goals. So if James McFadden scored that goal against Charlton at Derby, I don't think we'd be having any discussion at all about Everton's greatest goal of all time. I just think it would just be absolutely nailed on. The fact that Sharp, very, very, very good goal. Let's not take anything away from that. But the, the fact Sharp does this at Anfield against Liverpool to break a really barren spell for Everton, I think that elevates this goal um, a bit more. So it's it's kind of, I think, when we talk about favourite goals, I don't know if you agree, you've almost got to look at the goals in context as well. So how good was the goal but then the other factors: who was it against? What were the circumstances? Was it a winning goal? Did it turn the tide? All these kind of things that go into the into the kind of the unique melting pot. Um, but I'm interested to see. I mean, we, we put a poll out about this a couple of hours ago, and Graham Sharp's goal is the most popular, certainly in in the poll I did, um, ahead of Rooney in second, and Osman in third. So, it's. I mean, that's interesting. I, I wasn't born at the time, so um, maybe I'm slightly biased against it just because I wasn't there to, to witness the euphoria around well, I think
0: it. you're right. I think, it, it, goal, yeah, goals against Liverpool always have the extra cachet for obvious reasons, and then as much as we try to sort of break it down and apply things like context, rightly so, you know, for things like this, most people will just go on instinct of the goal that they like you say they were there to see or they remember the amazing night out they had afterwards or I mean I always remember Andy Johnson's goal against Liverpool, again against Liverpool uh, to make it three nil where he, you know it was really it wasn't a classic goal by any means it was a mistake really by Rayner. and AJ just heads the ball in and gives it the three nil with his fingers and you know that is as memorable for you know jumping up on my seat falling off Nearly twisted my ankle, but not even being a you know being completely oblivious to the pain, and then sort of the amazing nights out me and my friends out in town afterwards. Um, more than the actual goal itself, it's it's just so evocative, isn't it? And it's, maybe I don't kind of relate so much, or didn't immediately think of that James McFadden goal. So I'm pleased we've had that debate, if only because I got to watch that again and think of other goals that you know another one for me, which just always kind of brings back happy memories. In that instant, and then as ever with Everton, book ended with really sad memories as Fiorentina, Arteta against Fiorentina.
1: That's another one, and I think it, if if Everton had gone on to win that game, then I think we'd be talking about yeah. it much more. As it happened, it was still a goal that had Goodison shaken to its foundations, as as the as the famous ITV commentary goes. It was still a wonderful strike from range, and it was a very good performance from Everton to come back from. down after a a quite dreadful first leg away in Florence. Um, Fiorentina were a good side. They're Mm. good players. You look at kind of the likes of Montalivo. With tracksuit bottoms on, (laughs) (laughs) leggings. Yeah, and then the goalkeeper as well, Frey, who obviously performed Mm. heroics in the second leg. There were some really talented players on that Fiorentina side. Montalivo obviously went on to play for Italy um, and become a world champion.
0: Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you've got the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash tidings and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of this show, you'll get two extra free beers. That's 10 free beers. Beer52 or Beer Pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest craft breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then, they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power's in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in, just to top it all off. So just go to www.beer52.com forward slash tidings to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, listeners to Glad Tidings get two extra free beers.
1: For Everton to win 2-0 in that, that, that second leg was an achievement in itself, and obviously the penalties didn't go for us. I think that was a case of one of the, the team's talisman, one of the absolute stalwarts, kind of pulling Everton through by their coattails. This was a an Arteta, like, right, I'm going to do this for the team now, I'm going to be the one to to be the hero or to, to make the difference. Um, by heavens he, he was, wasn't he? I mean, it was a fantastic, fantastic goal. In a memorable Europa League campaign, where I think Everton were very good at, for spells, and obviously played the likes of, of Zenit and, and Larissa and Zenit went very far in the competition that year. Everton beat them at Goodison Park. And it was all those players that we remembered fondly with with Leon Osman the, the other week in, in one of our other podcasts. Um for that famous goal against Larissa. The likes of Layton Baines and Stephen P and R linking, Arteta and Cahill in midfield, Johnson up front, um running defences ragged. Um, Yakubu, another really good striker in in my time watching Everton. Um, so fun memories right off until the moment those penalties oh, are taken. Yeah. But I guess this is the this is the thing with Everton. Even our best goals are kind of clouded in some way hmm. by slightly bittersweet, slightly tainted memories. At least at least the, the, for a certain um, vintage of Evertonian, so, so, <laughs> such as myself. It's almost like we. Yeah, we can't always we we can have nice things, but only up to a point, <laughs> yeah. and then, then they turn
0: slightly sour. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's sadly true. I, again, I think Jags, We talked about that goal against, against Liverpool just earlier. He's he was again unfortunate to to not make it into our final three. He certainly we we spoke about it, enough, didn't we? Um, I was there that day, and you know, kind of so many parts of that. It, I enjoyed not least absolutely punching the hell out of James Pierce's thigh. James obviously is, is our. <laughs> the athletics Liverpool correspondent um but at the time we were both working on the local paper the Liverpool echo. I was the everton writer, he was Liverpool writer and um so a good good friend of mine but he he has an annoying habit at derby's of whenever Liverpool scored or like celebrating with his elbows out and I'd invariably be next to him and he'd be knocking me and it'd annoy me, so I'd knock him back and it would be very rare I'd get to do um get to get him back, so I made sure I did with <laughs> with a vengeance when that went in and it, just because. The Anfield road just went completely quiet and you just almost heard the ball hit the back of the net. And then there was that, that pause and then the celebration from from the, the Everton fans in the away end. Just absolutely tremendous. Afterwards, you know, Liverpool fans emptied out quite quickly. Um, yes, you know, it was only a draw. So we're not, not celebrating like it was. The, the result was more significant than it was. It was just getting a point. But it was the context, like you say. It was a game that was looking like it was getting away from us. And then for your centre-back, who's not particularly renowned for striking balls from distance. Yes, he'd, he'd scored goals. And yes, he'd played midfield in his career. So, you know, he, he's not just a sort of, um, you know, a kind of workman-like centre-back by any means. But no one knew he had that in him. And it was just an unreal strike. If there's any way to score a last-minute goal in a derby, it, it was that. Do you remember that one vividly as well?
1: Yeah, I do. I, mean, I wasn't. I wasn't covering that game. I was actually. I, I remember it quite vividly. I was. I was in Madrid uh, oh. working at the time. Um, so I, I'd kind of had work Monday to Friday, and then I'd take the weekend off. And on this occasion, I headed to a pub in the centre of Madrid, um, which I think it was a lunchtime kickoff, and it was pretty quiet actually. Um, this Irish bar in the, the centre of Madrid, an Irish pretty, bar, pretty quiet. <laughs> There's always, always an Irish bar, and there's always an expat or two in there, normally wanting to give you grief if you're an Everton mm-hmm. fan. And this day was no different whatsoever. I was, I was sat there, and I was, I ended up next to an older Liverpool fan, who was kind of giving it the bigging throughout the game. And Everton didn't play well. I, I just remember the day vividly, apart from John Stones, who was absolutely exceptional at centre back, one of the best defensive performances I've seen from an Everton player in the Premier League era. Apart from that, most of the rest of them didn't cover themselves in glory. We did. We struggled to create clear-cut chances, didn't really do ourselves justice because it was a good Everton side. The game was kind of Peter and and obviously Jagielka hits the ball and my first instinct was, don't <laughs> shoot, don't shoot. This is Phil Jagielka, it's not Samuel Eto'o, who was on the pitch, I think, or it's not one of Everton's more technical players. It's Phil Jagielka, the centre-back, who very rarely ventures forward even and very rarely scores goals. So I was kind of imploring him as he ran up and lined up to hit this not to shoot. But there was a deathly silence in the pub as, as the ball hit the back of the net. And then I did my best to rub it in the face. I, I tried to be reserved throughout, but I did my best to rub it in the face of this this older Liverpool fan who sat next to me, had a little jump up and down and celebrate. Purely because I was just so surprised that it had gone in. I was it just it was absolutely... I think it close to being a miracle. And I, I, hopefully I'm not doing Jagielka a massive disservice. He scored other goals. But this was a particularly tough one to execute. And to do it in those circumstances, I think, makes it even harder again. Um, so that that's I mean it's, it's it's interesting you talk about the experience of covering that in the press box because I think that's something that maybe not all of our listeners would be aware of the fact that press box etiquette kind of dictates that even if you support a football club and even if you cover that football club say for the Athletic you are expected really to it it it's kind of it, it the etiquette is to to observe kind of professional yeah. standards isn't it and you. You don't really celebrate That's, goals, you, you're kind of motionless, you're just typing away at your laptop, maybe you report on them, but you certainly don't g- kind of get carried away with the emotion. That's how it works in the UK, if not in other countries. So it's kind of frowned upon any kind of celebration, isn't it? And it that becomes difficult at times because there are really, really important moments involving your football club and you you are invested still, even though you try to be professional about it. But when that happens, what do you do? What what do you do <laughs> when Phil Jagielka lashes one in to the uh, to the cop end to to, to get Everton a, a, a point in in the you Derby? What do you do? It, it becomes yeah, very very difficult. Yeah. So I kind of share your pain just, on that one. Just try it's and um, it's, it's one of the tougher parts um, of the job in, in many many ways. Um, but another goal, another one that was unlucky to miss out. I think Barry Horn as well for me the Barry Horn goal in, in um in the relegation the, the 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 season in which they very nearly mm. got. Re- got relegated. I think that that kind of that just because of its significance and the fact that Horn was not a player to score those kind of goals with regularity. I think that that kind of falls into the same category. Just on the fringes here, perhaps a bit unlucky not to be um not to be picked in our in our top three. Um I'm sure plenty of others will will agree with that statement as well. Yeah,
0: Barry Horns was again kind of an like, unexpected goal scorer to an extent. Um Without that goal, you, you could argue that Everton might not be um, in the top flight now. Or well, they certainly, you know, talk about sliding door moments. That, obviously, that game in itself, the result against Wimbledon was hugely important. But at that stage in the game, for a midfielder who not renowned for his goal scoring, again, not renowned for his goal scorers occurring from range to back himself to hit that. Uh, and again, you know, you, you, you know, sort of, the, the don't shoot brigade would have been justified as he lined it up. <laughs> but it goes in And it was an unreal goal There's a few other people Responded to your tweet earlier And I think they definitely Deserve honourable mentions um, Someone New new Blue Cladding Talks about Thomas Radzinski's against Southampton um, That's another one I remember yeah. vi- vividly I was in Newcastle Actually um, Studying up there And watching that game In, in a bar It was a late winner In the sunshine I think again It might have been Towards the end of the season um, Yeah And it was just A fantastic strike Wasn't it?
1: It was, it was unbelievable and obviously contributed to Everton turning the game around and Radzinski had a huge impact on that header to make it 1-1 and then just picks up the ball on the, on the corner, just outside the corner of the penalty area, right corner, and kind of dribbles his way in and just absolutely arrows the ball um, into the near, near post. And I think we have this thing in football, perhaps unfairly at times, where goalkeepers shouldn't be beaten at the near post and I, I challenge anybody that says that to watch this Thomas Radzinski goal back and apportion any blame to the Southampton goalkeeper at the time now I can't remember it's one of Kelvin Davis or Anthony Amy I'm going to say I'm going to st- stick my neck on the line and say it's one of those two um, and I just challenge anybody to, to to say that with this particular goal because it was the thing about Radzinski is there was Normally, very little backlift, and the backlift is what suggests that a shot is coming to the goalkeeper. So he almost kind of choreograph. He doesn't choreograph his strikes at all. It gives goalkeepers less time to respond, and he always struck the ball so cleanly and really hard. Um, so it just kind of it was in. It was into the back of the net in a flash. Um, there were fun. The fact that it was at the Gladys Street as well, I think, contributes to goals, late goals. I, I just think it makes them kind of that slightly bit more euphoric. Um, because of the, the kind of the emotive resonance of that end as and Leon Osman spoke about this to us obviously a few weeks ago, describing the Larissa got. so that that was definitely one.
0: I wonder who will sort of most likely in the current team to to give fans at the moment like sort of unforge- unforgettable moments like that as we go into you know potentially finishing this season or next you know, I mean Richarlison springs to mind doesn't he in terms of those kind of special goals and I don't know, it'd be interesting to know what what listeners think, whether they feel his goal against Brighton was that sort of moment. I doubt it, in fairness, because it was kind of, albeit a spectacular goal to win the game. It wasn't like there was loads um, resting on it and it was obviously a relatively sort of um, of matter-of-fact league home game against Brighton Brighton over Albion, but nevertheless, it was a wonderful, wonderful goal and um, he sort of stands out to me as one that, then again, you've got you know, you've got Gomez as well, who doesn't score as as many as he should. But you know, when when he does strike the ball, sometimes cl- he cleanly, he's got the potential, hasn't
1: he? Yeah, Andre Gomez definitely has. I remember that goal against Wolves. I was thinking of that, yeah, while he was yeah. on loan, that was an absolute, absolutely fantastic goal. Leighton Baines obviously produced plenty of those moments, and um, there was one against Leicester this season that that sticks in the memory. Had Everton gone on to win <laughs> yeah. that game on wow. penalties, then yeah. I think that would be remembered even more fondly than it was. Um, and his, um, I think Dominic Cavaloon, I mean, for me, the, the moment of the season, and maybe maybe I'm digressing here from the original point a little bit, but for me, the moment of the season, the goals of the season so far, and I don't mean goals of the season in so far as they were the best, but I just mean contributed to the kind of the best feeling, my favourite moments my favourite goals are the goals against Chelsea and in Ferguson's interim spell. I just think that was such an important game for Everton. We were, it was Ferguson's first game as caretaker. Silver had been sacked. The place had been low until Ferguson came in and Everton needed, a, were in dire need of a win to kind of alleviate fears of relegation. Ferguson obviously did a, a a great job and helped Everton get up the team in time for, up up the table, sorry, in time for Ancelotti coming in. Um, and that, that was kind of the moment this season. I think that's the moment when Gudderson's being at its kind of loudest, its it's angriest, its it's happiest at the end. When Ferguson, one of our own, not in terms of birthplace, but one of our own really, he's a, he's a true Evertonian, um, was kind of prowling up and down the, the touchline, racing down the touchline when goals went in, when Richarlison headed in, when Calvert-Lewin scored his two goals. He was obviously hugging Davis and, and Calvert-Lewin after um, one of Calvert-Lewin's strikes as well. So that that for me... That that that's the closest we've got to it this season.
0: Well, I hope you've enjoyed our little <laughs> journey down various memory lanes. There've been some, you know, you'll all have your own memories now as we chat about goals. Like I said earlier, it's it, it they're all so special and kind of subjective to you because of like the the sort of where you were that day, how it made you feel. But generally, just um, the commentary, the iconic commentary. But generally, sort of a winner in a derby is always very special. So I understand why Graham Sharp won the poll that Paddy tweeted earlier, and I think the other players can probably feel a little bit hard done to. Let's hope there are many more Sharpie moments in future Merseyside derbies. That's all I'll say. Especially at Anfield. Um, well, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. Looking for Sharp, and he got behind Lawrence and there. It's Sharp! What a fantastic goal! Unbelievable finish from Graham Sharp, And the Evertonians have gone berserk. <laughs>